From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Crash Connell, good morning, Tuesday, August 8th, 2023 on the calendar. We welcome our live listeners in uh, FM radio land and also online at q90fm.com slash listen. And we are now at 300 subscribers on our brand new YouTube channel. We got 200 more till we take it to the uh, next level. So if you haven't joined us yet on our YouTube channel, q90fm radio on YouTube, and you can see video versions of our stand up for the truth shows. Good morning and hello and uh, good to see you, Mary Danielson. Greetings and salutations, Crash. Um, real glad you joined us today. Uh, Patrick Wood is my guest, and he has some great insights into what's going on behind the scenes in the areas of AI and technology. We might think we know how fast tech is kind of flying past our humanity, but we really don't. There is a bit of a tech coup taking over the world right under our noses. And um, Patrick's been ahead of the curve, in my mind, for a very long time. So we'll talk to him shortly. Uh, my scripture today is Second Peter 3, 10 to 13. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Looking forward to that. Let's acknowledge the Lord in prayer. Oh, Lord, we really do look forward to that day when we will see uh, your righteousness. Uh, Your word tells us that we are to be lovers of righteousness. uh, And we just praise you and thank you for who you are and that you reveal yourself to us. We lift up this day to you. In all aspects, Lord, and pray that you'd walk among us, be glorified in all things. We lift up those who are hurting and struggling um, with the things of this world and this life, and we ask that you comfort them as only you can. Uh, We pray for Patrick and his family today, for your hand of protection upon him, for any and all needs uh, to be met according to your riches. Bless his ministry, give him wisdom and insight, Uh, continue to equip him and draw him ever closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, like I said, today, author, lecturer, economist, Patrick Wood, he's a leading and critical expert on sustainable development, green economy, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, and technocracy. And he is the author of Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order, Technocracy Rising, The Trojan Horse of Global Transformation, and the evil twins of technocracy and transhumanism, also globalization and the crucible of global banking. Uh, he's an expert on the elitist trilateral commission, their policies and their achievements in creating a self-proclaimed new international economic order, which is basically sustainable development on a global scale. And you can catch Patrick on Substack. That's called the quickening report. And like I said, I think he's always been ahead of the curve on technocracy, trans, uh, transhumanism, and global just about everything. Technocracy.news is a good website to start with. That's loaded with information and news. Patrick, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. 
Uh, Mary, great to be with you. Um, oh, there's just so much to talk about these days. There really is. You must be very, very busy. Well, it, it happens to work out that way. Okay. I, uh, I try and keep enough balance in my life where, you know, I can uh, kind of stay ab- above the, you know, the panic. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's uh, uh, sometimes I think I'm the man who knows too much, um, quote unquote, but that's really impossible. There's no such thing. But, you know, we see the world passing us by today in ways that we never expected, say, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years ago. And uh, it is an amazing, uh, amazing time to be alive. It is indeed. It is indeed. The fact that you're above the panic, that's an accomplishment of itself every day. Uh, For those who might be hearing you for the first time, can you just give us a definition of technocracy? I don't know if everyone out there knows exactly what that is. And then we'll dive into some meaty stuff here. But what what does that mean? You bet. It's uh, uh, number one, it's an economic system. Uh, It's not a political system like democracy or socialism or communism. It's an economic system. It was developed in the 1930s, um, mostly at Columbia University. That's where it crystallized. Engineers and scientists got together figured capitalism was dead in the heat of the Great Depression and that they needed to do something to save the world. So they created this new economic system. It was a resource-based economic system, uh, not to be controlled by price like we are familiar with, supply and demand, etc., but rather just by allocation of resources directly. And it looks very much today like sustainable development that the United Nations promotes. Uh, however, the way they, they, these technocrats back in that day defined, they led with the thought that technocracy is the science of social engineering. That was the first part of their definition. And uh, the problem they had was the factories are easy to uh, control. Uh, to, they're just, after all, uh, inanimate odds put together, together in a way that, you know, make produce things out the back door. Um, but people that worked in the factories were not as uh, reliable and dependable as machines. So they uh, about the, the science of social engineering. That's what they called it. And, <laughs> you know, you can get the idea. Well, we engineered the, the society. We engineered uh, all of the economy. But now we have to engineer the people to fit into that economy the way we want them to fit hmm. in so that everything can be efficient and uh, smooth operators, that sort of thing. So in a nutshell, <clears throat> that's kind of what technocracy is, and it's alive and well today with a vengeance. And it uh, fully, in, in my opinion, fully intends to take over the world and to flip us out of what we know as capitalism and free market economics and uh, stuff us into this new Well, You know, Klaus Schwab called it the Great Reset at the mm-hmm. World Economic Forum. This is what that is. It's uh, flipping away from what we have known all of our lives into this new economic system that will be controlled by unelected, unaccountable technocrats. Hmm. Yeah, the social engineering part really rings a bell because when you said now they want to engineer the people, well, that is exactly where we're at. I just want to go back just a little bit with you. When you first wrote your first book and you first started to really dive into this on the Internet and such, if you could put a place marker there, what what was the technology at that particular time? I mean, we're way ahead of that, obviously, but, um, you know, what can you tell us about what things were like, technologically speaking, when you first started to study this? Because that kind of helps us see how far we've gone. Well, you know, tech, technology has been a continuum. Science has been a continuum for at least, hundred, really, 150 years, maybe 200 years. 
Uh, it's called the scientific revolution, and it goes way back. Um, you know, it's not something that's just like, oh my gosh, it got sprung on us last week. Um, so it's been like a it's been like a continuum. Uh, if you could if you could like draw a chart, make a chart of the progress of science, um, you would notice that um, it was uh, the, the slope was fairly. Um, you know, level for maybe, you know, 100 years. But in the last, say, 20, 30 years especially, the curve has started to go vertical. It's, in other words, it's a, it's a geometric curve. And so it's, it's getting steeper and steeper every year. And uh, t- today, as we're looking at it, this curve, the technology curve, is it's not quite vertical yet, but it's getting to that point where things are just happening almost daily, weekly, whatever, major breakthroughs, you know, are being announced all the time. Um, This was evident. The curve was absolutely evident even 10 years ago. Uh, Most people that that looked at, uh, you know, scientific achievement uh, recognized that the the pace of things was speeding up. I remember even 20 years ago telling people, uh, you know, when I was uh, younger, and, of course, the person I was speaking to was younger probably too, but I, I was talking to people, and I would say, you know, what, what used to take, say, two years to happen in the 1980s seems like it takes two weeks today mm-hmm. to happen. And that's just, uh, you know, that's just an evidence of the, the curve is getting steeper, and things are happening more quickly today than they ever did before. Um, but the, the curve now is getting extremely uh, vertical. I mean, it's almost going straight up at this point. And that's the danger of this whole thing is that the, the technology is racing ahead of man's ability to understand it and mm-hmm. absorb it. Yes, that is absolutely true. And I, I think back just a, not too terribly long ago, there were things like MySpace and Facebook. And social mm-hmm. media is AI, right? And And when you talked about what what they started out social engineering and how we've gotten to this explain to us how how social media really is the foundation for this exponential curve and how we got here social media we didn't they said okay you're going to connect with your friends and family it'll be fun and all that mm-hmm. nobody knew that this was about data gathering everyone has been deceived completely and utterly by what social media really is and so you know how did we how did it start from there because this is also part of the vertical curve that's going on social media and then everything else it really is and um i personally i think the way to to study or to to look at uh, the, the social media phenomena is not just to look at the technology itself mm-hmm. but to look at what is done to humanity what is done to people what is done to people's minds and what is done to their intellect and their emotional states and so on, because this is how society is made up. It's made up of people, of course, individuals, but collectively, when they all begin to act in a certain way or they begin to flip out on some certain thing, um, all of a sudden, society gets disrupted uh, by their behavior, and things are not smooth, they're not copacetic anymore, and you know, fights break out, etc. The big lie that was promoted for social media it is it it was going to be a great unifier I, I think that's probably covers what you just said about well friends and family and that sort of thing they said that it was going to be a unifying experience bringing mm-hmm. people together but in fact the polar opposite was true and i mean polar opposite it hasn't brought uh unity 
it's brought division, not in, in division between people groups, division between smaller people groups, like even within families and brothers and sisters, et cetera, and friends, close friends, brought division. And it also has brought division to people's minds because how they behaved 20 years ago before social media is really totally different than how they behave today, mm-hmm. how they absorb ideas, how, the, for instance, the attention span has been completely uh, uh, obliterated in the last 25 years for many young people. They can't, they, they can't think two straight thoughts in a row for, the, for their life. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just can't. They're, you know, they're, um, they're distracted by all of the click, 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 click activity going on. So they never get time to focus on one thing long enough to get a, a decent thought out the other side. And I think people don't realize, too, when you log into social media, which is constant for a lot of people, it almost trips your brain off into panicking because now you're thinking about something that you weren't thinking about. It's forcing you, look over here, look over here, look at this. I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. I want you to click on that. I think it causes tremendous amount of disarray in people's minds. Uh, And, of course, these are just symptoms. But think about it. I mean, addiction. Social media brought us addiction on that degree. Uh, influencers, polarization, which is what you're talking about, fake news. Yeah. Um, and so the more people are engaged in it, the worse it gets. And then it leads to what? Cyber warfare, scams, fake everything. And we were talking last week a little bit about people's concept of reality. Uh, reality collapsing on a personal level and on a social and cultural level. Can we just talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what is real anymore? Well, <clears throat> you know, social media uh, started the process of presenting things that just weren't true, that uh, that had no basis in fact. And, uh, you know, you could look at that from several different angles, I know. But, you know, like people, um, uh, people on social media today can put filters on their pictures uh, mm-hmm. that change the, the look of their pictures. And uh, all of a sudden, there's somebody different, somebody that... Uh, maybe kind of homely looking and in general can put a filter on themselves and they can look like Marilyn Monroe. Uh, you know, they can look absolutely beautiful. Well, it's not real. Mm-hmm. And people on the receiving end of that, they don't get the, um, you know, the real person. They don't get the real, um, uh, even the real, uh, uh, you know, text coming from the person's mind. And th- this is not real. When it's not real, that means it's not reality. But the problem with, uh, Sweeping young people across uh, the world, they're they're dealing in a world today that is increasingly not real. Mm-hmm. It's outside of reality. They're pre- they're presented with facts that are not facts, that you know, truths that are not truths, and they absorb that as if it were true. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, you get enough of that diet, and all of a sudden, your mind starts to do very strange things. And it won't reason correctly. It won't come up with, uh, you know, in another circumstance, it won't come up with the right answer on what you should do, how you should respond, et cetera, because you've got all this other non-real stuff in your mind. Hmm. This is where this is where reality, we find out now, this is where reality is very, very important to stay in touch with. Because when you break from reality, with all of the, the fake stuff, the deep fakes now, the, you know, pictures can be made up by AI, Voices can be made up by by AI, AI that sound just like you or me. Mm-hmm. Uh, can be made to speak anything to anybody, and 
you know, there's so much of this fake stuff going on, nobody really can tell what's real and what's not real anymore. Well, and I think, too, if a young person is looking at this augmented version of themselves and they they get instant feedback from their peers because they want to be liked and they want to be admired, but when they walk away from that device... Where is the uh, the crack? Where is the drug that yeah. made them feel so good? So um, that's where the addiction comes in, right? They need that constant reinforcement. How how can a human survive like that? Yes, when you know when we talk about addiction too, it's important to to make the distinction. There's there's one type of addiction where where you just say, well, you know, you're addicted to that thing, and you know because you're always looking at it, uh, mm-hmm. holding it in your hand, or whatever. But the fact of the matter is that when when people uh, click on something where they're getting strokes off of uh, off Facebook or Twitter, or Instagram, whatever, or TikTok, when they get strokes, it actually releases a small amount of dopamine in the brain. Hmm. Dopamine is the addictive is the addiction chemical in your body, and that's what happens when you take a drug like a heroin or a, or even a you know cocaine or some other you know some other type of a drug. It causes the release of dopamine, which gives you this this rush um, that you didn't have before. That makes you euphoric. It makes you feel you know really really good, etc. When social media giants discovered, and big tech especially discovered that dopamine was involved in the products they were mm. selling, mm. that changed everything. It changed absolutely changed everything. You know, famously, you remember Steve Jobs, the guy that invented, uh, basically made Apple what it is today, invented the iPhone, etc. He would not let his own children participate with an iPhone. He, you know, because he knew he knew exactly what was going on in the minds of young people that were using this technology. It was causing them literally to be just like dope addicts because it was releasing dopamine. Every time they went to check their, how many people responded to me? How many people liked me today? Yeah. You know, gave the, hit the like button. Yeah. Well, every time that happens, it releases just a little bit of dopamine, and people really get high on it. Yeah. And so, you know, this is this has now been a condition that we've had with our, you know, two gener- at least two or three generations now, mm-hmm. where people have grown up being overdriven and overstimulated with dopamine because of social media. Very interesting. You're listening to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Mary Danielson. We're talking to Patrick Wood, technocracy.news. I, I'm i reminded of years ago, many years ago, when my daughter was young, um, uh, AOL, America Online, had something called Instant Messenger. And you had a little, mm-hmm. you could invite your friends, and you could have any number, 20, 30, 40 people that you were friends with. And, and to a youngster who's just kind of getting into the junior high thing and that sort of thing, that is a, that is. A dopamine rush because everyone wants to fit in. Everyone wants to. Everyone wants to have friends. I had to keep an eye on that. And while we're talking it's the mid '90s here, so this has been going on for a long time. Uh, another thing, Patrick, is they only need they, um, the abusers of this media, only need three minutes of a person's voice to create that voice and make it say what they want. Uh, including calling loved ones and saying, send me money, that sort of thing. I mean, this is a whole new level of fakery that we're never going to, it's not, it's not going back, right? You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. That's right. It can't be done. <clears throat> and of course, you know, you could say, well, it could be regulated, but mm. no, not really. <laughs> um, you know, whatever regulation might come into this is going to be, uh, it's going to be immaterial. The, the, 
uh, Pandora's box has been opened, yeah. and yeah. it's it's going to overflow uh, from here on. Right. And the only, you know, the only thing that can maintain sanity and reality in a person's life is that which we would call an anchor to our soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this biblical reference uh, as being an anchor to your soul takes on particular relevance today because, you know, you see, the, you know, the soul, mind, will, and emotions. You see young people and, and older people, too, who are captured by this whole this whole scenario where they're driven to the to the left to the right up down they're driven like the you know like the the wind of the sea mm-hmm. and you, you you look at them and you wonder gosh what's going on how what what has happened to them mm-hmm. it's like a boat that has no anchor that's in a storm on the sea being bobbled around in the waves and the wind and the, 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 you know, the driving water and stuff that comes over the top of the boat. This is the picture of the world today. Yeah. Those who maintain an anchor to their soul, like a sea anchor to their soul, are able to ride out a storm and come out the other side when the seas get calm again. Mm-hmm. And you know, I look at this to, today and I tell people, especially Christians, they say, look, if you don't want to get caught up with this, there's only one place to go to to attach that anchor to your soul, if you will, so you don't get thrown around. And we find that, you know, the that of course, that's the ultimate reality, um, that God is who he says he is, and that he is, in fact, there, and he's concerned with the affairs of men. This is the only place we can find a certain reality, a touchstone, if you will, or a plumb line, if you will, mm-hmm. on what's real versus what's not real. Mm-hmm. The closer we stay to that, the less danger we have of falling into these other things. And uh, this, is, this is almost, for many people now, this is going to be existential to them to understand this. And many Christians even are falling into this, you know, this other thing we're talking about. They're getting sucked into it. Mm-hmm. They don't realize it when, when it starts to happen, but that's, you know, that's kind of the way it is. It never, you know, it always sounds good initially, but you get in and you go, uh-oh, <laughs> trap ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get getting myself in big trouble. Yeah. Um, holding on to reality is really, really important. And the big question is, how do you do that? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm remind, I'm really glad you reminded us all of that anchor to our soul, uh, so we don't get shipwrecked. But Second Timothy 1-7 talks about God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind or sound judgment. And we certainly need mm-hmm. to make sure that we are in the Lord at all times. I watched, uh, the Netflix documentary last night, Social Dilemma. It actually probably should have been called a moral dilemma because I, we watched the body language of these uh, younger people, younger than me, who who uh, came up with a lot of these social platforms, and they looked, I don't know, they looked agitated. They looked unsure of themselves. And as they got to talking, um, it seems like they were wondering at this point, even though the horse is gone, the barn door is closed, who is going to look into the moral and ethical problems mm-hmm. with all of this because he says, look what we've done to human beings and how we've treated them. And I thought, wow, nobody thought of that when they were cashing their paychecks. But now they're <laughs> seeing, right? They're seeing yeah. the outcome of this. And let's talk a little bit about the moral dilemma because um, if, if reality is collapsing around people and young people are, are taking their own lives, um, mm-hmm. what is is there ever going to be any ethical or moral uh, 
um, looking into this sort of thing and going, well, we need to dial this back a little bit? You know, as long as uh, as long as the Lord is not, uh, that is, when I say the Lord Jesus Christ and biblical uh, concepts are not anywhere to be seen mm-hmm. in this scenario, it will continue to go down the tubes. Um, but having said that, people are born with a conscience. I, feel, I strongly believe that. Everybody is born with a conscience. And whether they get saved or not, ultimately in their life, uh, almost as immature, the conscience is still there. And people can know intuitively if they've done wrong, if they do something wrong, they can know that they've done wrong. In Silicon Valley today, there are so many people that are experiencing angst um, over what they are doing. You know, they they know deep down that what they're involved in is is harmful to humanity, if not yeah. destroying humanity, wow. and it bothers them greatly. The answer, one of the answers that's been provided for this, however, is there, there's, a, an, there's a, a center down in just south of Monterey, California called Esalon. Esalon originally was the point of uh, entry of, uh, of yoga and Eastern mysticism into yeah. America years and years ago, uh, back in the 50s. And Esalon recently, uh, a few years ago, was put out of business because of a big mudslide that happened on, on Highway 1 on the coast where, where it's located. Nobody could get to it. and All the people stopped coming to it. Um, it, was, uh, it was a retreat center where people went to get their heads straightened out. But anyway, the thing went out of business. Esalon got purchased by a group from, uh, from Silicon Valley, and they repurposed the whole thing to be a retreat center uh, of still focused on Eastern mysticism and other self-help type uh, you know, theories. It was repurposed specifically for executives from Silicon Valley wow. who were struggling with this ethical issue, who were beginning to, lo- who were losing sleep at night, who couldn't sleep right at night, who were emotionally disturbed, who had, who had been steeped up on stress and they could they were at the point of breaking and they couldn't handle it anymore hmm. and so Esalon has uh, since it reopened has been booked ever since with people coming down from Silicon Valley it's only like maybe you know 100 miles 75 miles away mm-hmm. the thing has been booked ever since solid with wow. people who are coming down there to be told oh you're doing you know if you didn't do it somebody would and you're doing a great job for humanity because of all these oh. other benefits etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera. And they go back to work all refreshed and, oh, you know, it, it was just all for nothing. You know, I'm okay. Uh, you know, I can go back and, and it, you know, uh, other people have affirmed what I'm doing, etc. This like is how that. they handle it in Silicon Valley. You know, it's not that the conscience isn't there. It is. Wow. But, but it's denied. It's suppressed. You might even say it's suppressed in unrighteousness. Absolutely. Like, well, they, like the Bible says. <laughs> But, um, wow. you know, these people do have a conscience, I guarantee you, and a lot of them are very, very bothered. Hmm. Well, they're outsourcing their conscience to somebody else. If they're paying to go to these retreats to have somebody say, I'm okay, you're okay, <laughs> yeah. you know, nod to the 70s bestseller, they're basically outsourcing that. But I, I think it's going to catch up with them at the end um, because, um, wow, as I was watching um, – presentation, the Center for Humane Technology yesterday, you had um, 
mentioned to watch mm-hmm. that. And I, even though these guys are secular, they're not saved. They raise yeah. so many great moral and ethical questions because they're saying basically technology on any level requires a level of responsibility. And that has been abdicated. Uh, almost completely and thoroughly, uh, as people are, you know, there's a riot on the dock last night somewhere. Didn't we? I did the whole article and people are breaking mm-hmm. out in riots. Well, that's no coincidence. People are snapping. Um, and a lot of it has to do with this sort of thing. Um, we're not going to go too far now at the moment because we're headed for a break pretty quick here, but I want to talk about, uh, some of the, the new technology and that, that kind of responsibility and, and how it's not making our lives better. And how AI is exponentially, um, self-replicating, actually. It, it's just, it, once you start at a certain level, it just self-replicates and it reproduces and it's just a, wow, it's right. just a crazy thing. And so I want to talk too about the last days. I want to talk about deception versus delusion. Um, and my husband reminded me last night about a verse that says, uh, that would deceive the very elect if that were possible. I mean, think of the implications of that in light of, uh, the world that we're living in right now. So we're headed for a break here, Patrick. Um, Patrick Wood is our, our guest today. We're talking about technocracy and the moral and ethical, uh, dilemmas, uh, regarding how far we've gone with AI and, and social media. I don't think we saw this coming. So, um, standupforthetruth.com. Sign up for our weekly podcast digest via your email inbox. Uh, more to come on Stand Up For The Truth in the next half. Uh, stay with us, and we will be back shortly. And don't forget, if you joined us late, we're looking for more subscribers on our YouTube channel. It's Q90FM Radio, one big word, Q90FM Radio on YouTube. But we put video versions of our podcast q90fm radio on youtube please follow that page your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our truth at any cost mission strong stand up for the truth.com welcome back to stand up for the truth today august 8th we have patrick wood Technocracy.news, among other things. Check out his books on Amazon. There's so much information in there. And we are talking about the moral and ethical dilemmas of AI and social media, which was just the beginning of this incredible tech revolution that we find ourselves in. Patrick, it seems to me, and while I know this is true, that AI is not only creating a reality, but it is exponentially self-replicating. They're saying that people who deal in exponentially Exponent, exponential mathematics can't even figure out how this is going, but it took Facebook four and a half years to reach 100 million users. It took Instagram two years. It took TikTok nine months and then chat GPT two weeks to reach 100 million users. Patrick, can you help us kind of just figure out how, how that exponential curve works because we are in it? This is, this is the curve I was speaking about earlier as a, as a perfect representation of it. Um, AI has been accepted and adopted by the world at rates even the developers had no clue. Mm. They said they were shocked. They knew it was going to be successful, but they were shocked at at the widespread use of this thing. Just boom, right out of the gate. The interesting and the interesting thing about AI at this point, now that the cat is out of the bag, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> is um, that AI can improve itself at, all by itself. It doesn't need additional human <laughs> input. Wow. It can make itself stronger. It can make itself more knowledgeable without any other uh, outside program or influence. 
when the atomic bomb was made, for example, uh, or made when when the technology was developed and and uh, the first atomic bomb was made, when the when that bomb sat there on a on a factory or on a floor in the warehouse, whatever. That bomb and that technology by itself was not able to improve itself. It couldn't mm. make itself stronger. Mm. One bomb didn't make baby bombs that were stronger than it. But in the case of AI, that's all out the window because now AI, as they, they're finding AI can make itself stronger. Once it's released, once it begins to learn, once it begins to you know do its own stuff, it can make itself stronger and expand its horizon in ways that the original programmers never anticipated. Mm. That's that's not to say it's taken on a life of its own. That would be inappropriate, mm-hmm. I think, to, to you know to say it's alive because yeah. it's not alive. Right. But um, uh, whatever's happening with it, even the programmers, even the the developers, are surprised on, almost on a daily basis on new things that AI comes up with. <laughs> And new ways that you know this reasoning things out. Uh, this is this is one reason that uh, that the curve is almost vertical at this point, hmm. because AI can improve itself without any additional human intervention. Wow, that's that's really sobering. And I was thinking about Robert Oppenheimer recently because there's a movie about him. But the story goes that the night before they were going to drop the bomb uh, in Japan, they. They still had no idea if it would vaporize the entire atmosphere above the earth. And so, you know, no one's ever tested. No one tests anything. They just experiment on people and social media is no different. COVID jab is no different. Um, the arrogance is absolutely astonishing. And even back in the twenties when IBM started, they had punch cards and they were using them to round up the Jews because, um, you know, mankind is incapable of governing himself because of the default right. sin nature. But that's amazing, Patrick, because if it just keeps replicating, I'm thinking about um, the whole world in Revelation is connected. The whole world followed after the beast. And then there's a phrase that says, all those who dwell upon the earth. Um, this isn't because of social media, right? We're way past that. This is a base of people that is growing and growing and growing until the end game, which is the whole world followed after the beast, and what they're doing collectively, and it's not because of, you know, we always thought, well, it's because of, you know, 24-hour news. No, we're, we're, we have blown past that in spades, right? Yes, exactly. I was on with, uh, did an interview with uh, Tom Hughes the hmm. other day, and um, I asked the, I posed the philosophical question, how much time, knowing that the devil knows his time is getting short now, uh, I don't think there's any, any doubt about that from a, from a biblical point of view, but I asked the question, how much time would the devil allocate to uh, building his infrastructure once the seven-year period starts? Mm-hmm. And you think about it a bit, and you say, well, uh, the, no, he wouldn't allocate any time at all, because he's only got seven years, right? Right. And he better hurry up. So he's got to build his infrastructure today. Before the tribulation starts, before the rapture mm-hmm. starts, he's got, to be, he's got to build this infrastructure that's going to serve him mm-hmm. during that seven-year period to control people. And I think we see this forming right before our eyes, and it's, out of, it's even beyond the comprehension of the people developing the software right now. 
they're scratching their head over a lot of things. They're still doing it, but they're scratching their head and wondering what what have we what have we created here? It's taking on a life of its own. It's right. out of our control. But you mentioned you know the the, the deception of in, in Revelation that we see, and I stress uh, hasten to, to to remind people that we're not we you and I will not be there. Born again believers will not be there at this time when this happens. But in Revelation thirteen, when it talks about the the false prophet that had power to give life unto the image of the beast. And they, they made this image of the beast. This was a, a big deal. This is not a third, it's not a fourth person in the, in the drama, but they made an image to the beast, um, which had the, which had the wound. That's the antichrist it says. And then in uh, chapter 13, verse 15, it says, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, image of the beast, mind you, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Mm -hmm. And he causes all, this is still the image of the beast apparently doing this, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand or on their foreheads, and that no man may buy or sell, save he had the mark. This is all the, the function of this image of the beast. And the fact that the image, it says here very pointedly, could could speak could reason, and that means it was reasoning as well, could reason and speak, and that it could cause those to be killed that it didn't like. Hmm. There's only one thing in view right now, only one thing in view right now that could possibly fit into that that uh, yeah. you know that the that that cog in in the in the wheel of revelation. There's only one thing. We're talking about it right now. It's artificial intelligence. Hmm. Yeah. It's not human. Yeah. But it has the ability to imitate humanity, you know, imitate consciousness. It's just an imitation, mind you. Yeah. But once it learns, you can see how it could be used for an external control device to control humanity mm-hmm. and to imitate, if you will, the work of the Holy Spirit in the church age that, that controls people from the inside, which the devil cannot do. He needs to control people from the outside. Right with an exoskeleton to get them to behave the way he wants them to behave. We can see this happening. We can see this working now that in theory, we can see it working now. But if this is the ultimate expression of AI in revelation 13, mm-hmm. you get a very clear, if, and people should go study it. If they're not familiar with it, they should go look at it and really study it. Yeah. If this is direction is headed, uh, you you can it just gives you a three dimensional uh, you know picture of the book, <laughs> the book of Revelation. Say bang, yeah. there it is. Yeah. What did John um, see anyway? This, you know, what did John see? Of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other caveat I I want to throw into that too is that a lot of Christians today are afraid of the mark of the beast and. The so-called mark of the beast, you know, that you, if you take that mark, you can't ever be saved. And what if I got it accidentally? And, you know, I didn't know I was getting it, but I did. Can, you know, am I going to be condemned? Well, number one, it's during that seven-year period when we believe the church is not going to be present in the world. But the the main thing to understand there is that that it's all focused on who you're willing to worship at that time. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to worship the devil, he will give you the mark. If you're not willing to worship the devil, but you you worship God instead, there's only going to be two choices. 
uh, then you won't get the mark and you'll you'll get killed. That's why it talks about uh, those that did not worship the image of the beast should be killed. It's a very, very simple proposition. Um, but it focuses on worship, not on the technology. <laughs> That's mm. what I want to say. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to worship the beast, you're going to be killed, the image of the beast. If you're willing to worship the image of the beast, then you'll get the mark. And so I ask Christians today, if they have that, that mindset, well, I'm afraid, sort of thing. I say, well, can you picture yourself ever uh, making a conscious decision to worship the devil? Can, can say yes or no. And, and nobody says yes. Right. <laughs> well, I would never worship the devil. Right. Well, don't worry about it. This case closed. Yeah. If you're not ever, if you're not willing to worship them now, and you keep that, you maintain that, and uh, you know you're never ever going to come close to this. So just forget it. Yeah. yeah. But that's the same. That anyway, that's what they're going to be faced with during during that portion of the tribulation. Is well, and the Bible. You know, it's, the Bible cuts focused to, on worship. Yeah, exactly. And the Bible cuts to the chase that we're still basically spiritual people, no matter what epoch or era we live in. The Bible says the truth right there. You are a spiritual human being, and that's what you are. You're not technology. But there is, and there is, like you were saying, it's a run-up to these events, and we should see that clearly. And those that aren't studying or learning prophecy should should see this clearly, because deception has always been with us, right? But now, doesn't it say, it says, God will send a strong delusion that -hmm. they would deceive the lie. I looked up that word delusion, and it's something that leads people to wander here or there completely lost in deception. Uh, yes. Let let no one deceive you, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yes. There, well, it, there's an easy way to understand the difference between deception and delusion. If you watch a magician, most people have seen a magician, you're always amazed when they do tricks, you know, and it seems they want you to think, well, it's magic. You know, well, it's not really magic. It's just sleight of hand. But when you watch a really, really good magician do a trick, you go, oh, wow, you know, how do you do that? And if he shows you the trick, well, this is how I did it. Watch my hand, you know, watch my whatever up my sleeve, and he shows you how he did the trick. And then you go, oh, geez, I see that. How How could I not have seen that when he did the trick? But now you know how he did it. If he does the trick again, you're not going to be deceived again because you know how the trick was was pulled off. Delusion is when you see how the trick is performed and you continue to believe the deception when the same trick is performed for you over and over and over. (laughs) Interesting. You've seen how the trick is, is done, but you... Continue to believe that the trick was real. Yeah. This is delusion. When when people snap from reality, they cannot tell the difference anymore. Wow. They've lost the ability to tell the difference. And that's what delusion is. And this is what we see people, this is what the Professor Matthias uh, Desmond, uh, in, in the clinical psychologist, uh, talked about when he was discussing his concept, his theories of mass formation. This is delusion. It's not just simple deception. Okay. Anybody can be deceived at least once. Wow. But we shouldn't live in that, and we shouldn't get hardened in it where it becomes delusion. So when the Bible says that God will send strong delusion on people, um, it may be that they were kind of already there in the first place. Sure. <laughs> but, 
but uh, he blocks the exit, perhaps, you know, mm-hmm. on how they can get out of this diluted diluted phase. Right, right. And their willingness to repent is directly tied to what yeah. God sends. So they've made their exactly. choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yes, exactly right. You know, I still see people uh, every week almost driving down this, the road, and this, and this is in Phoenix, right, where it's 110 uh, degrees. You see people driving down the road. Uh, with their windows up, nobody in the car, and they're wearing a mask. Yeah. Sometimes they're wearing two masks. Mm. Uh, and you scratch your head and you say, "What? What are they thinking? Yeah. What? What's going through their head that they would think they needed in their car?" <laughs> yeah, but look put how, a mask over their face. Look how they, easy it was, though, to get them to that point. It didn't take long at all. Um, no, so doesn't. once the church is gone, I think we're looking at a global psychosis, and that is a terrifying yeah. thing. But uh-huh. That's exactly right. <clears throat> if if if, uh, if listeners look up the word psychosis on the internet, they'll find it's not a diagnosis; it's mm. a symptom. Hmm. And uh, a diagnosis would be something like schizophrenia. Yeah. You know, if you say, "Well, he's schizophrenic," well, that's a that's a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But psychosis merely describes a symptom. Wow. And the symptom is, if you, if you look at it, this, is exactly. I I was surprised by this in a way, but but the the actual definition says. Psychosis is defined as a break with reality. Well, yeah, a break with reality. Yeah, and that's exactly what we see. Wow, that's what we're talking about—a break with reality. Yeah, such perilous times we live in. I mean, it's just amazing, yeah. Patrick. We don't have a lot of time left, but I want to talk a little bit about Worldcoin. I know it's been yeah. all over the news. Uh, a gentleman named Sam uh, Altman, uh, the Open AI CEO, and that's. Um, uh, it's an AI research laboratory started by Elon Musk and Sam Altman in 2015, and Microsoft then put a billion dollars into it in 2019. And then they launched WorldCoin on March 14th. They had 2 million signups by July 14th. And they've been traveling around um, sort of exploiting the working class and saying, hey, here, if you sign up and you scan, we scan your iris, um, we'll give you some free of these little cyber world coins. I don't know if they're worth anything, or even if they are, maybe they won't be later on. But what in the world is going on? Can you tell us just a little bit about Mr. Altman? He's an interesting character. Yes, I know. He really is. There's a lot of hype around WorldCoin right now. Mm-hmm. And this little orb, you know, the, the silver bowling ball. Yeah. That, uh, they're, <laughs> they're sending all over the world. Anybody can register, I think, to become a, a scanner. And they get one of these orbs and they can oh, go right. out and they can, you know, get people in their community neighborhood and stuff. Nobody in America would do it, but they've taken it over to Africa and they're, they're happy to, you know, Oh, look at the shiny little orb. <laughs> and, you know, they, they go for it and they get money for it, free money. <clears throat> um, Sam Altman has uh, disrupted the world with chat GPT completely disrupted the world. And now he wants to disrupt the world with this world coin concept. Mm-hmm. And the idea of scanning your iris for the sake of uh, a positive ID on you, this fits into all these other programs that we've been hearing about, about universal ID and, uh, you know, universal passports that, uh, that biometrically identify you with face scans or, or even, uh, you know, finger, well, fingerprints are kind of passe now, but, um, you know, iris scans are very unique as well. They say they're completely unique. And Altman has jumped on this bandwagon, but he has an interesting twist, and that is he's promoting the concept of universal basic income. He's been on this bandwagon of UBI for, well, ever since he started um, uh, Y Combinator. Uh, well, he's president of Y Combinator. Uh, hmm. 
the serve startup companies in the Silicon Valley for some years before he jumped ship and went into open AI. But um, <clears throat> he's been on this universal basic income stuff where where he, he wants to give people, um, you know, an, an income, money, if you will, to live so that they uh, don't, like, I don't know, expire or whatever. But universal basic income is a concept that is only found in historic technocracy. Nobody else has ever brought this up, ever in the history of the world. This is a technocrat um, um, construct of technocracy. Uh, and back in, in the 1930s, they talked about giving an energy script to everybody. It was going to be uniformly applied to everybody in society. And you'd have to, you could spend your, your script on anything you wanted, goods and services. And if you ran out before the end of the period, you'd have to wait for another allocation before you could buy more stuff. Um, but this is pure technocracy that he's promoting here in this, uh, this universal basic income concept. And of course, in order to get kind of into that track, you need to get your your irises scanned and a positive identification on you and an electronic wallet in your smartphone so that you can receive the goodies that they want to send you. And, oh, if you do that, um, you know, everything will be good and we'll give you more of it as time goes on. Um, universal basic income is something we do not want. But in their minds, this, and I've heard people actually say this, verbalize this, they believe that AI is going to displace so many people uh, to where they cannot be employed again. In other words, not that they're just unemployed. They're unemployable. And when somebody becomes unemployable, what are you going to do with them? Because if you leave them to do nothing, they're going to riot, they're going to rebel, they're going to have protests, et cetera. They're not just going to roll over and die. And so the answer to that is universal basic income. When somebody becomes unemployable because of the, the, the advances of AI, it's, oh, my gosh, you know, that, yeah, so let's just give them money and we'll uh, give them a, maybe a, a virtual reality headset, let them sit home all, all day and, you know, play in, in the metaverse wow. or something. Another yeah. reality, by the way, right? Yeah. Um, this is, uh, you know, Sam Altman is purely expressing technocracy, and, all, and everything he's doing is expressing technocracy. Uh, whether he even knows the word, the meaning of the word or not, I don't know, <laughs> but he is a poster child for technocracy right now in everything he does. And WorldCoin is just another expression of that. Yeah. He's an interesting character because um, he says he's trying to protect the world from AI destruction. He's a survivalist. And it's supposed to preserve our privacy. It's like he thinks he's building a firewall or a backfire to put out the big fire. I don't know what that all means. But <laughs> yes. but MIT did an incredible article. It's very long. It's called Deception, Exploited Workers and Cash Handouts, How WorldCoin Recruited Its First Half a Million Test Users. And it, it documents um, them going to a, a very, very poor village in Indonesia, and there's there's lines for social assistance, and they're they're putting up posters, and they're telling people, "Come on down, you're going to get free money." Uh, they wait in line for hours and hours on end. They they see this metal orb, you know, um, aimed yeah. at their faces to scan their irises and other data, and then they get a ticket, and then they get in line. And this is going on in many many countries. Talk about exploitation. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. So I don't know where this is going to go, but. Um, <clears throat> You know, his, his, you, whole, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It's interesting that MIT, I read that article. That oh, you, you did? Okay. To. MIT, uh, <clears throat> of course, that's <laughs> Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Right, right. 
that's where all the brainiacs are, right? <laughs> the true brainiacs. They don't have a very high opinion of Sam Altman. No, they do not. Obviously, right? <laughs> but you know why they don't have a very high opinion of him? It's because he's only got a high school degree. Oh, my goodness. He only went yeah. to one year of college before he dropped out to, to drop in, to go into venture capital. Wow. He's not he's not educated according to their standards whatsoever. <laughs> and yet here's a guy basically with a high school education is turning the world upside down. Wow. Well they and MIT thought that was their job. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Well the same with Bitcoin. Who's the you know, uh Satoshi, whatever his name is, who invented Bitcoin and then he retired to uh, an island somewhere and no one still knows to this day who he is. <laughs> What a bizarre story. And look what they started. Look what they are continuing. It's just a, it's out of yeah. raging out of control. It really, really is. It is. Uh, another headline. Um, I don't know if this was on your page or not. I thought maybe I saw it there. China crafts weapons to alter brain function. S- report says tech is meant to influence government leaders. What in the world is Neurostrike about? Is that sounds like an Elon Musk thing? <laughs> the name. It almost does. Yeah. I know. I know. You know, there's. Uh, President Obama started the uh, the initiative called Mapping the Human Brain, and you know that is to discover everything about the brain there is to discover. Mm. <clears throat> um, China has been ahead, way ahead on this whole project, I think, to try and figure out ways to scramble the brain in, in terms of warfare. You know, you want to do that to the enemy, yeah. and they got lots of weapons now. So do we? I mean, so does you know, like a, a DARPA. Uh, the Black Ops uh, group at the Department of Defense, they've got the same kind of technology. It's not just China. Mm-hmm. But uh, if they want to, from a distance, if they want to target um, you know, a group of people with microwave, uh, te- you know, microwave transmissions or, or other types of transmissions and stuff, they can do it very, very easily, and it just really screws people up. Really? So it's so, a thing? It's a uh, thing? It's an actual possibility? Yeah. Is what? It's a thing. This this thing that re, uh, is supposed to alter our brain function. They can actually do that. Well, um, they they can, but not in the way. It's not. We wouldn't want to jump to the conclusion that they can cause people to behave a certain way. Okay. Like you know, go <clears throat> like like the Manchurian Project. Uh, sure. You know, a candidate. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> if they can cause a group of people, for instance, to drop to their knees and cease to move forward, like they, they don't walk or whatever, you're changing the function of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you if you scram if you can scramble their brain remotely to where they can't aim a rifle correctly anymore, sure. well, you've altered the function of their brain. Wow! It doesn't mean that wow. you cause them to take their rifles, turn around, and shoot yeah. their own friends. Wow! Um, but you still can disrupt the enemy to okay. where they cannot function. Wow. Patrick, we, we are out of time. I know we probably could have gone a lot longer than this. Um, talk about perilous times. It just all of this gives all new meaning to me to how far we are. And if the if the mark is three and a half years into the tribulation that it's mandatory, how, how close are we? So uh, we are, like I said, we're out of time. Thank you so much for being with us. Technocracy.news. Um, you will always be on the cutting edge to me, and I thank you for that. So thank you for joining me tomorrow. Uh, Thursday, Julaine Appling. Friday, Paul Scharf, Friends of Israel. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you for joining me. God bless you. <laughs>